Would you turn with me to 1 Kings 19? I'd like to read the first seven verses of 1 Kings 19 and give you something to think about while we are reading these verses. I want to attempt to speak on the intercession of Christ. Now think about that when we read these words. And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, I'm sorry, uh, I just heard somebody whisper, 1 Samuel 19. Whoever whispered that out, thank you. And Saul spake to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. And Jonathan told David, saying, Saul, my father, seeketh to kill thee. Now therefore, I pray thee, take heed to thyself until the morning, and abide in a secret place, and hide thyself. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where thou art, and I will commune with my father of thee, and what I see, that I will tell thee. And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father, And said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee very good. For he did put his life in his hand, and slew the Philistine, and the Lord wrought a great salvation for all Israel. Thou sawest it, and didst rejoice. Wherefore then wilt thou sin against innocent blood to slay David without a cause? And Saul hearkened unto the voice of Jonathan. And Saul swear, as the Lord liveth, he shall not be slain. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan showed him all those things And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as in times past. Now here we read of Jonathan interceding for David. Saul had expressed his desire, kill David. He was insanely jealous and envious of this man and he wanted his death when he had done nothing but good he still wanted his death and so he tells Jonathan about it and Jonathan tells David go into hiding and I'm going to talk to my father and I'm going to intercede for you that's exactly what took place he was interceding for David and so he went and hid and 
I love the way Jonathan spake. We read in verse 4, And Jonathan spake good of David unto Saul his father, and said unto him, Let not the king sin against his servant, against David, because he hath not sinned against thee, and because his works have been to thee very good. Now that's the way he interceded. That is the way he represented David. Now, every Old Testament event, every historical narrative that we find in the Old Testament is given to illustrate the gospel. Every single one of them. In Galatians chapter 4, when Paul spoke of the Hagar and Ishmael and Sarah and Isaac and you know the story in Genesis chapter 16. And he said, this is an allegory. This represents the two covenants. Now, I would have never known that just reading it. But Paul says this is an allegory. So everything in the Old Testament, including the passage of Scripture I just read, is given to illustrate some aspect of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is about intercession. But you've got to understand everything in the Old Testament is like this. I think the, the example that comes to my mind is that time of deception when Rebekah told Jacob to deceive his father in order to get the blessing. Now, that's a time of deception, isn't it? And it's, it's, it's really kind of a seedy story when you read it as, as far as what all took place. He said, you go and fool him. You get, I'm, I'm going to fix food. I'm going to put goat hair on your neck and your hand so you feel like Esau. I'm going to give you his clothes so you smell like Esau, and you're going to deceive your father in order to get the blessing. Now, what a seedy story. And David, I mean, uh, Jacob said, what if my father finds me out? I'll be seen to be a deceiver. He was scared about this, to see what would happen to him about this. But in this, I see how I come to the father. I've got to feel like Christ. I've got to smell like Christ. When, Esau, when um, Isaac said, are you my son Esau? He said, yes. I have to answer to the name of Christ. My only identity is being found in him. So I come to the father the same way Jacob came. My only identity. And this is just an example of all the glorious stories and pictures we have of the gospel of Christ in the Old Testament. Now here we have Jonathan interceding for Christ. and uh, uh, Jonathan interceding for Christ. Jonathan's a type of Christ. And he's interceding for David. And I love the way it says... In verses 1 and 2, And Saul spake to Jonathan his son and to all of his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. He delighted much in him. Now, we know that Jonathan is a great type of Christ. You remember when David said, Is there any of the house of Saul that I can show the kindness of God to for Jonathan's sake? God says, Is there any of the house of Adam? that I can show kindness to for Christ's sake. So Jonathan is a great type of the Lord Jesus Christ at this time. And it says, Jonathan delighted much in David. Matter of fact, First King, or First Samuel 18.1 says he loved him as his own soul. Now this is a hard thing to get a hold of, but it's true. 
Christ delights much in his people. And he loves them as he loves his own soul. That's how much he loves. Now, I don't understand that. I just believe it. You know, when Paul says in Ephesians 5, he that loveth his wife loveth himself. And when Christ loved his wife, his bride, he was loving himself, wasn't he? This speaks of union with the Lord Jesus Christ, so united that Christ loves and delights in all of his people. United to him. One with him. And then he warned David of his father's wrath. And the Lord Jesus has warned us of the Father's wrath against sin. The soul that sinneth shall surely die. And he told David to go find a hiding place and hide there. Is Christ not my hiding place? He's my refuge. He's the place I hide. I love what Paul said when he said, Oh, that I may win Christ and be found in him. So that when God comes looking for me, he finds me in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all I want, to be found in him. And then he goes and represents David. <laughs> and he's not asking his father for a favor. He's saying... He's never sinned against you. And he's always done that which is right. That's the way he represented David. He wasn't asking for a favor. He says he's never sinned against you. And he has always done that which is very good. Now, how can the Lord Jesus Christ represent me and you that way? Because the fact of the matter is, that can't be said of us, can it? Not in and of ourselves. That cannot be said of us. Now, when we intercede for someone, we're asking for a favor on our behalf. Maybe somebody says, could you put in a good word for me on to get a job or to get some kind of raise or something of that nature. We're asking for a favor. But when Christ intercedes, he's not asking for a favor. Now, how is that? How is that? He says regarding his people, they've always been good. And they've never been bad. Now that's the way he intercedes. How is that? Well, his intercession. He always asks for justice. And his intercession always arises from his atonement. And what his atonement accomplishes. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect... It is God that, what? Justifieth. Who is he that condemns? It's Christ that died. Need anything else? Yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. 
the intercession of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we've sinned and our works are very bad, yet he pleads before the Father, they've never sinned and their works are very good. It's not like the Lord Jesus is interceding in this way. Uh, I've committed the same sin for the 5,000th time and he says, well, forgive him again. No, not at all. Not at all. That is not the intercession of Christ. It's not him asking the Father for a favor to spare me once again. Now, how is it that Christ can intercede this way? <laughs> well, it's because of the reality of justification. The reality of imputation. The reality of union with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, religion convolutes this. They water it down. They think of, uh, for instance, imputation means, well, if, that means if my sin was charged to his account and his righteousness is charged to my account. Or like if I sinned against you and you were held responsible for it, 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 it would be charged to your account. And if you did good, it would be charged to my account. You know, that wouldn't even be right, would it? Wouldn't it be right for me to be punished for your sin? If you did it, you're the one that needs to be punished. If I did it, I'm the one that needs to be punished. If I perform right, I'm the one that needs to be rewarded. If you perform, this, this idea of just moving things around, like, like a, that's, that's not what has taken place at all. And I don't, I do not understand this, but I believe it. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And when Christ represents me, he represents because of his work in my behalf, because of me being united to him, because of me being justified. And justified means I never did it. I never did it. I'm without guilt. That's what justification means. Because of this, when he represents me, when he intercedes for me, he says he's always done that which is good and he's never done that which is evil that's the reality of the work of Christ that is the reality of the gospel that is how he intercedes now in John chapter 17 verse 9 the Lord said I pray for them I pray for them can you imagine having the Lord Jesus Christ praying for you? Representing you? I pray for them. He's talking about the whole company of God's elect. Every believer, I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which you have given me. For they are thine. Now, when the Lord prayed to the Father, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. You know what? The Father forgave him. That wasn't a generic prayer. He forgave everybody that that son represented. And they were forgiven then. I think of the Lord saying to Peter, Peter, I prayed for you. And he didn't pray that he wouldn't fall, did he? Peter needed to fall. And that fall was for Peter's good. 
And what a blessing it ended up being, as painful as it was. I think of him going out and weeping bitterly. Can you imagine the bitterness of the tears he experienced and and how wickedly he had done? But the Lord didn't say, Peter, I prayed for you that you don't fall. He said, Peter, I prayed for you that your faith fail not. And it didn't. It didn't. Now, Jonathan intercedes for Saul and, I mean, uh, for David. And Saul says, I'll not let anything happen to him. As the Lord liveth, everything's fine. Didn't last long, did it? Real soon after, he's going to be throwing a javelin at David again, trying to kill him. And Jonathan ended up dying. And Jonathan wasn't able to intercede for him anymore. But think of this scripture. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him. You know, when I come to God, there's only one way I come. By him. You know, when he comes into the Father's presence, I do too. Because I'm united to him. That's the way I come. By him. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession. His will is always going to be accomplished because he, he how many people have died and their wills not end up accomplished? They're, they, it was contested. Something happened. Somebody wanted to get something. And they're not alive to make sure their will is done. But he ever liveth to make sure his will is done. Now let's close with 1 John chapter 2. The intercession of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, well I want the Lord interceding for me, don't you? I want him representing me. First John chapter 2 verse 1. My little children... These things write I unto you that you sin not. You know what that means? That means every one of us ought to make it our resolve right now to never sin again. Grace. The gospel is no justification for sin under any circumstance. These things write I unto you that you sin not. Not in thought, not in tongue, not in deed. These things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin. And you know that word, if, is quite often translated when. And it is in this book, 1 John, when you do. (laughs) When you do. We have an advocate with the Father. We have an intercessor with the Father. We have one who represents us. 
And his name is Jesus Christ, the righteous. He's no crooked lawyer. He's a lawyer that has never lost a case. He's a lawyer whose judge is his father. And he's a lawyer who's altogether righteous and would never make some kind of plea bargain or some kind of corrupt. No, he's Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he represents every single one of his people just the way Jonathan represented David. And it's all because of this. He is the propitiation for our sins. He has removed God's reason for anger. There is no reason for anger because those sins have been put away. He by himself. No help from me or you. No contribution from me or you. He by himself purged our sins. And one of, there's a lot of glorious things about our advocate, but he makes all of his clients plead guilty. Every one of them. And every one of them are justified without guilt. What an advocate we have. Amen.